welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. Following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the first morning service of Saturday the 26th of February 2011, entitled Guarding Against Heart Disease, and the Bible reading is taken from Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. To be quite honest with you, young people, I don't have anything better to say than what God's already said, so that's, that's why we preach God's Word. And so uh, Proverbs chapter number 4, and look at verse number 23. Proverbs 4, verse number 23. Very familiar uh, portion, a verse that I even quoted last night, but I want to take a little bit deeper today. I guess it was 1997, young people, I was preaching, uh, pastoring my first church, and we normally had a, um, every church in America usually has a homecoming service where they celebrate the anniversary of when the church had was founded or when it started. And I had a special speaker come. And he he was preaching that day. And I guess, Brother Les, he was about 30 minutes into his message. And he was a, preaching basically along the same lines as what I'm going to talk about this morning. And he made a, he made a point. He said, you know, you don't know what's going to happen to you tomorrow. You're not afforded that privilege of knowing what what's going to happen tomorrow. He said, you know, what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. And he made this statement, Dave. He said, you don't know. There, he said, there may be somebody in this service today who before I say the last amen could die of a heart attack. Now, I promise you, no more than four minutes after he said that, there was a man that was sitting Abby, I guess about two rows back from where you're sitting in the service, and he literally fell over into the aisle in the church. After he had made that statement, he was having a massive heart attack. Thank the Lord we had a nurse that was one of our members, and she began to administer CPR to him, and they revived him and got him in an ambulance and got him to the hospital. I went and visited him, I guess, Mike, a couple of days later, and um, was doing well. The doctor said, we want to keep you over one more day for just some... Uh, normal testing, and then we'll release you to go home. I went back about 5 o'clock the next afternoon, and while I was sitting there, and he looked like everything was great. He was getting ready to be released to go home. Ramani, he said, oh, no. Oh, no. He said, here it comes again. And he had a pillow, and he clutched it to his chest, and he began to make some of the some faces I can't even begin to, sh- to even show you. And do you know what? They took him into the ER from his room where he was getting ready to be discharged and began to administer CPR to him and they could never revive him. He died of a heart attack. You know, it's... Young people, if we're going to... If we're going to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, wouldn't you think it'd be a very important thing to take care of it? To take care of our heart, you say, well, preacher, what is the heart? Well, we talked about it a little bit last night. I'm not speaking of what pumps blood through your body, all right? That's the muscle. I'm talking about the very fiber of who you are. Look at what Solomon told his son. Look at the, the, this is the encouragement, the wisdom that Solomon told his son. He said, son, look at, look at verse 23. Proverbs chapter number four, look at verse 23. He said, son, Keep your heart with all diligence. In other words, young people, 
The word diligence implies this. Above everything else that you guard, above everything else, this is the most important thing. Guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the very issues of your life. I want to talk to you for just a few moments about guarding against a heart disease. Young people, we take care of our physical being. Paul said that bodily exercise profiteth little. Now, it didn't mean it don't do much for you. It does a lot for you. I'm, I'll be honest with you. I want to stay as young and as vibrant as I can for as long as I can. Might not look like I am, but I want to stay young. <laughs> don't, don't laugh. All right, please don't laugh. But listen, I want to stay as energetic as I can because, look, let's be honest. I don't know if I'll be able to do this in 15 years. I want to be able to do it as long as I can. Somebody asked me one time, Pastor Larry, they said, how long you want to preach? I said, as long as I can live. <laughs> they said, well, how long you want to live? I said, as long as I can preach. But we take care of our bodies. Paul wouldn't say it, it profits little. He said it just profits for a little while. We'll do everything in our power to take care of our physical being. By the way, in America, and we've got a real big problem in my country, it's called obesity, huh, for the lack of a better word. Now, I'm not trying to push any of your buttons today. By no means. Most of you young people are in pretty good physical shape. But you know what? Of the top ten books sold in America, five of them are about how to eat properly. Dieting. You know, I got a good diet for people. It's called a Chinese diet. You say Chinese diet? Yeah. You give a person one chopstick, they're going to lose some weight. I don't know if y'all ever heard about the onion and garlic diet. The onion and garlic diet, you know, what, you know how it works? You eat a bowl of onion and garlic every single day. You don't lose no weight, but you sure look slimmer from a distance because nobody will stand, can stand to be around you. <laughs> But we want to do everything. We found, we, listen, we, we read the back of labels on everything. Everything's got the energy, protein, uh, trans fats, how many calories, you know, what's the carbohydrates, what is all of this made of? And we want to eat properly to take care of what? Our physical condition. And it's a noble effort. Listen, for, look, young people, it's noble to try to take care of your body. You, you are the temple of God. Hello? We're the temple. God doesn't dwell in, a, in an edifice. He dwells in us. And what? Know you not that your body is the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? We're to take care of our physical being. I remember when my kids were about five and three respectively and we'd go to the grocery store like Tesco or Costco and we would go grocery shopping and it's an amazing thing what they do uh, in, in a grocery store. If you go down the cereal aisle at Tesco. Every cereal that is jam-packed full of 5,000 grams of sugar is at eye level where the kids that are in the buggy can see it. Huh? And they don't want that healthy stuff. They want the stuff that's, that makes them ADD and... Okay. <laughs> you know, we didn't have all them letters when I was growing up. You just didn't have no sense. That's what they'd say about you if you acted that way. And they had some good medicine for it. It was called the Board of Education to the Seat of Knowledge. Amen. <laughs> you know, we just, we just got Jesus put into us. I mean, whap, you better love God, whap, Noah. But anyway. <laughs> 
But we, we'd go down to cereal aisle, Ramani. I can remember my kids going, I can, Seth's here, I can pick on him a little bit. Seth used to go, oh, oh, daddy, I, I want the Lucky Charm, and I want the Captain Crunch, and, and I want the Fruit Loops, and I want the Fruity Pebbles. And I said, no, son, no. My wife would definitely do this. She'd say, oh, no, no, we're not getting that stuff. That stuff's bad for you. It'll corrode your arteries. It'll kill you. What we're going to do is we're going to eat this stuff down here on the bottom shelf. It comes in five-pound bags, you know, made out of tree bark. <laughs> it's good for you, though. You know, we put skim milk in. You could read the newspaper through the cereal. It's so thin. The milk is just water with a little bit of white powder in it. But we do all of that. Why? Because we're trying to take care of our physical being. Can I ask you a question this morning? When's the last time you took an honest inventory of your spiritual heart and took care of it? What about your spiritual heart? Now you say, what is the heart? Well, Jeremiah 17, 9, and you ought to write some of these verses down. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Can I ask you something, young people? Don't be led by your heart. I'm just going to let my heart lead me. No, you better not do that. The heart is deceitful. It will, listen, it will deceive you. So what is the heart? Well, the heart, spiritual heart, is a place where you think. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man or a woman, he thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's a place where we think. Not only that, but it's a place where we speak from. Hello? We're going to talk a little bit about that this afternoon, about our conversation. The Bible says our conversation's in heaven. It just don't mean our lifestyle. It means the way we speak. It's a place where you speak. Jesus said this in Matthew 15, 18, Tenica. He said, for those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed what? Evil thoughts, adulteries, murders, fornications, false witness, thefts. These are the things. You know what Jesus was saying? A lot of people think what you put in you is going to corrupt you, but Jesus said what's already inside of you is going to corrupt you. You push something hard enough, what's inside is going to come out. <laughs> Hello? You get it a... You drive in, in the middle of Birmingham or in the middle of London, and that'll test your spirituality. Yeah. What happens when you're pushed? What happens when somebody pushes those buttons in your life? You know what? What's inside will come out. Be very careful. See, it's time for us to stop deceiving ourselves and take an honest inventory of what's inside and stop pointing our fingers at everybody else and say, well, you know what? Compared to brother so-and-so, I'm doing pretty good. Compared to that sister over there, oh, I'm doing great. Well, that's not your litmus test. Your barometer is in heaven, Jesus Christ. And if we all measure ourselves to Him, I think it's time for us to get on our face and say, God, it is me, I'm a wicked man, and I live in the midst of an unclean nation. It's time for us to get honest. Young people, it's not only a place where you speak, it's not only a place where you think, but it's a place where you remember. David said in Psalm 119.11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I have found this out, young people. When I get into a midst of a temptation, and by the way, I'm just as tempted as you are. 
I still live in this robe of flesh and I get tempted. And you know what? Temptation is not sin. So, Lamb, you know what temptation? Listen, temptation's not sin. It's when you yield to it when it's become sin. You know what I do when I get in situations like that? I use God's Word. That's what He gave it to us for. He said, you, my, my Word, Brian, have you hid in your heart that you might not sin against me. You know what? When you get into a midst of a situation where you know that the devil's trying to bombard you, by the way, your mind is the battleground right here, and the devil will play tricks on your mind, and he'll push the pause button in your life, so all you can think about is what you've done in the past, when God wants to hit the play button and let you live for Him and stop being a spectator and get in the game. Thou word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Listen, when you're in the midst of temptation and you want to look at something on the internet at 2.30 in the morning, listen, y'all to just start quoting verses. I'll set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave unto me. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Just start using Scripture. The devil hates it. And God loves it. <laughs> Pretty easy. I, I mean, I'm just a meat and potatoes kind of preacher, all right? I'm not here giving you crepe Suzette this morning or whatever else you think. It's lovely and pleasing to the eye. I think we just ought to get down to brass tacks and get back to the basics and the fundamentals. And that is, you know what? Apply the Word of God. That's what God gave it to us for. Most of you in here, the only time you ever read the owner's manual to your toasters when you don't know how to work it or it's broken. Hello? You don't pick the oh, listen, you don't pick the manual up to your car and read it every day. No, you just drive the car. Most people just pick the Bible up when something's broke or they don't know how to fix their life. When we ought to be daily putting it into us and, and listen, asking God to not make it an owner's manual, but a compass that we can live by. So it's a place where you speak, it's a place where you think, it's a place where you remember, but number four, it's a place where you're convicted. Y'all remember the story when David was in the cave and he was looking for Saul and his mighty men came to him and said, we found Saul, he's asleep and went to the cave. And listen, when Saul came in, it said that he cut off the hem of his garment and it said his heart smote in him. Why? Because he knew, he knew, brother, he does not to touch God's anointing. And his heart was convicted. It said his heart was smote in him, Panos. Listen, our spiritual heart is a place where we are convicted. And by the way, young people, when you sit under the preaching of God's Word or when you do something wrong and... By the way, I asked this question, and I didn't even get a, a, a one hand raised when I asked it in, in this past week in the family conference. Have you ever done something that you knew was wrong, and the whole time you was doing it, you knew it was wrong, but you had the time of your life while you did it? Can I get a hearty amen right there? Some of y'all need to repent and come down here and get right with God right now. Listen, you know what? Sin is fun, but it only lasts for a season. It's a blast while it lasts. But see, the devil will show you the thrill, but the devil will never show you the kill. See, you ought to be... Listen, I thank God, Tyler, when I know that I ought to be doing what I'm supposed to do and I don't, and you know what? There's something inside my heart that says, you know, you know you need to get back to the first works. You know you need to get back to the first fruit. You know you need to do what's right. You know you need to do this. You know you need to do that. By the way, he's a perfect gentleman. God is a perfect gentleman. He's not going to force you to do right. He tells you in his word what to do, and listen, you've got a choice to make. He's not an ogre. He's not going to beat you over the head with a spiritual ball bat <laughs> and make you get in line. He wants you to love him with all your heart. 
And you've got a choice to make. But I'll tell you one of the greatest things that I love about the Holy Spirit of God is when I do wrong, I am convicted. That is a clear-cut evidence that I'm a blood-bought, born-again child of God because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of me, and that's what He was sent to do, was to reprove the world, to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Hey, man, there ain't no greater evidence in the life of a believer is when they do wrong, they're convicted. That's a great evidence that you're saved. You say, well, preacher, I feel miserable sometimes. Well, and I everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So what is the heart? The heart is everything about you. Well, you know what? If Solomon told his son to keep his heart and to guard his heart, that means to put up your dukes, man. That means to put a garrison around you. There's something you're going to have to guard, and it's called your spiritual heart. And if you're going to guard that thing, what you got to guard it against? Young people, let me tell you something. There's a couple areas you need to guard. I want you to turn to Psalm chapter number 12 very quickly. Psalm chapter number 12 and look at verse number 1. Psalm chapter number 12 and look at verse number 1. David said unto the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he said, Help, Lord, help us, Lord. He said, For the godly man ceaseth. For the faithful fail from among the children of men. He said, They speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips, and with a double heart do they speak. A double heart. Now you say, Preacher, how can a person have two hearts? A double heart? How can you have two hearts? Well, Jesus said this in Luke 16. He said, no man can serve what? Two masters. That means that, you know what? If he said no man can, he said, you know what? You're still susceptible to try it. If, if you try, here's what's going to happen. You'll either love the one and hate the other. You'll turn from the one. You'll despise one and hold to the other. He said, you can't serve God and mammon. Now, Jesus got right down to where they lived and just put in their money. But let me say this, you can put anything in there. You can't serve God and yourself. That's the biggest problem in Christianity today. It's, it's got to always be about us. Now, we don't say that outwardly, Tim, but this is what we do. God, I want to do your will, but I don't want to go to Africa. You guys and ladies from New Tribes, here's what a lot of people say when they're in a missions conference. Oh, God, I'll do whatever you call me to do, but please don't send me to Iran. You know what we need to do as God's people, not have a double heart and say, Lord, you may not ever send me to Tajikistan. You may not ever send me to Pakistan. You may not ever send me to Kashmir where there's a civil unrest and it's turmoil going on for the last 2,000 years, the last I've heard. <laughs> You may never send me there, but if you do, I am willing to go. Can I ask you a question? Don't raise your hand. Are you at that point in your life that you're willing to do whatever God says? See, because the last time I read, it was all about Him and not about us. We are the sheep. He's the shepherd. We are to follow. He's the lead. Young people, don't don't get caught in this thing of having a double heart. James said a double-minded man, James 1.8, said a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. All of his ways. You say, well, that's the mind. Well, it is, but that's where you think. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Don't, you know, you can't fool God. 
You can try, but you ain't gonna, you ain't gonna have good success. See, you're here, you're here this week. And listen, young people, I know if you're here that you have a heart to serve Him, but you know what? God's not looking for 90%. God's not looking for 95%. God's looking for 100% of you. Not 98, not 99.99999%. He's looking for 100% of you. God's not going to use, and, and, and I, I mean this with all of my heart, and I'm speaking to some of God's choicest servants that I think it's going to serve the Lord in the next generation if Jesus don't come back. God's not looking for bumping around Christians. God's not looking for somebody that's wanting to be comfortable. He's looking for somebody that will say, Lord, in the midst of persecution, I may lose my life, whatever it is. I, God calls us to be servants, bond slaves. Somebody that has no rights. Can I say this? The day that you became a Christian and you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, you lost your rights. And God gave you responsibilities. And if any of you don't understand that, you know what? Try joining the military. You know, when you join the military, I've been in it. I was in it for eight years. I went through the Persian Gulf War in 1991. Can I tell you this? Tyler, there ain't no way that I'd look at my commanding officer or my, my platoon sergeant, Gunnery Sergeant Beck, and look at him and go, you know what, I don't feel like going out there today. I'd feel something tapping me on the shoulder. You know what it would have been? The ground. I'd have been on my back, laid out. You know what, I'm glad God don't work that way, but he still is as urgent, and he still pleads and begs with God's people. I'm looking for a man, a young lady, somebody that'll serve me and stand in the gap and make up the hedge before me, before the land, that I should not destroy it. If you don't think England, if you don't think Eastern Europe, if you don't think America needs revival, read the news. Watch Sky News today. Watch Fox News today. We need revival more than ever before in our nations. And let me tell you something, there ain't peace in a lot of places in the world, and that's because the Prince of Peace hadn't come yet. When he comes, there'll be peace. But you know what? God can give you peace in your heart today if you'll just stop having a double heart disease. Don't be divided. Get off the fence. Stop riding it. Stop going, well, I think I'll serve over here for a little bit, and then I'll go with my friends for a little while. I know some of you precious people have given up so much just to serve Jesus Christ. You don't have much friends because there ain't a whole lot of Christian friends. But can I tell you this? Tenica, you got a friend that sticks closer than a brother in Jesus Christ. Guys, you got a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'll never forget, five, six years ago, I sat back here and as the young people uh, filtered up to go eat for lunch on a Sunday morning, I remember there was a young lady and she sat right back here on one of the pews and she was just weeping. And I went to her and I said, can I help you? What's your need? What's wrong? She said, I became a Christian a year and a half ago. I go to a public school. I have no Christian friends. I don't have any Christian family. Everybody seems to hate my guts and I don't know how long I can do this. You know what breaks my heart? I haven't seen her since. A casualty. Because somebody wouldn't come along and put their arms around her and say, you know what, it is tough, but you can be of good cheer. The one that died for you overcame the world. A double heart. Any of y'all like weddings? I love going to weddings. I love performing weddings. 
I guess I, I better. I'm married. I, I like weddings. I can remember when I did my first wedding. I was only in the ministry about six months. I, I performed my first wedding. This couple came to me, a young Marine and his uh, wife-to-be, and they said, would you perform our wedding? I said, I'd be honored. I talked to them extensively about their salvation. They were both born again, and so we'd uh, uh, perform their wedding. And I'll never forget this, uh, Elaine. I, I, when, when, when we got ready to perform it, I had to get alone for a little bit because I don't know about y'all, but I can go to a wedding, and it can be total strangers. I can sit in the service, and when the doors open up and you hear that music, a lump gets in your throat. Some of y'all looking at me like, you crazy, man. Are you really that feminine? I mean... <laughs> No, I'm serious. I'm serious. I just get choked up at weddings. You know, that's a perfect picture of Jesus Christ and his church. The bride and the bridegroom. And here comes the, the bride down, down the, the center aisle. And I'm going to be honest with y'all. I had to go and, and, and confess it to God and say, God, I need for you to help me to keep my mind focused so I don't lose it. Because if I lose it, I know the bridegroom's, he, I mean, the groom's going to lose it and the bride may start crying. So, Lord, help me to be composed. You know, I, I, like it really mattered. I mean, you know, emotions just run when you're in a, in, a, in, a, in a wet. I was getting ready to say a funeral. Excuse me. But, <laughs> but <laughs> it's all right. Um, here come the bride. She came down, the groom standing beside of me. When it, we got to that part where you exchange the vows, I looked at Neil and I said, Neil, I want you to repeat after me. Now, I was already choked up. I mean, I saw her come down, you know, and I'm going. <laughs> I started almost crying. I said, compose yourself. Got to get, you know, get yourself together. Here they come. The, 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 the bride and her, and her dad. And he kissed her and gave her to the to her husband-to-be, and we began to exchange the vows of Salem. I said, Neil, repeat after me. He looked at me, and his little chin began to quiver. You know, I was like, oh, no, no, no. I said, I, Neil, take thee, Teresa. He said, I, Neil, take thee, Teresa. To be my wedded wife, to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold, to have and to hold. From this day forward, from this day forward, the next phrase I said is this, for richer or for poor, this is what he said to him. He went, for richer or for poorer. Man, I went, dude, get a hold of yourself, man. If you start doing that, I'm gone. I mean, and I'm the preacher. You know what I said next? I said, in sickness and in health. <laughs> man, I'm crying like a baby. We finally got through that ceremony, but let me tell you something. I learned something that day, Brother Les. That is a commitment that he was making and saying, I'm forsaking everything else in my life and I'm giving my life totally to you. Dave, you and Abby did that. Let me tell you something. That is a special moment, not only in the sight of God, but witnesses that you're giving everything up for that one person because you want to spend the rest of your life with them. There ain't nothing more special in the world. In the eyes of God, it is a holy union. Do you know what? What would have happened? What do you think? Just suppose what would have happened if he went, whoa, whoa, whoa. When you got to that part where it says, in forsaking all others, I give you my pledge, that Neil said to me, time out, preacher. I got a couple girlfriends. Now, I don't want to date them, but I've got their numbers uh, in my contacts on my cell phone, and I just like to leave them there just in case. I can tell you what it would become. 
it would become a funeral because that girl would have probably taken that bouquet of roses and beat him to death. Why? You don't come to the wedding day holding on to a couple girlfriends. You are giving your total life to that person. And let me say this, young people. The day that you became a Christian, listen, instantaneously, you can't even begin to believe what took place in your life. You'll begin to find out later on as you walk with Jesus Christ really what happened to you the day that you became a born-again believer. But let me say this. The day that you became a Christian, you are His property. And God says, you know what? I'll... I'll be your God. You'll be my people. But I don't want you to be double-hearted. Young people, can I ask you a question? Are you struggling? David said, with flattering lips and with a double heart, do they speak? Now, this is something that will really convict your heart and mine. Are we one way here on this weekend, and when we leave and go back next week, are we something else? See, character is what you are when nobody else is around. If you struggle with a double heart, you know what's going to happen? It's going to make you be one way around your worldly friends and another way around your Christian friends. Can I say something? I think God's looking for somebody that'll say, I'm willing to sink the boat and not rock it. You live in a nation that needs some people to stand up. In London, in Worcester, in Birmingham, in new tribes, wherever God sends you, somebody's got to stand up and be salt and light. May I say this? I've been reading a book and it's a noble statement. There's a guy that made this statement a hundred years ago. He said, we can sit and we can talk about everything that's going on wrong in the world and that's noble and that's fine. But it's time for us to stop cursing the darkness and light our candles. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You can't do that if you got a double heart. And by the way, it don't take half your heart to be double. All it takes is a little portion and the devil will take that little chink in your armor and he'll fester that thing and he'll make it so intense and so overly big that, you know what? It overshadows your walk with Christ because then you're in bondage. Young people, you got to guard against a double heart. But let me move quickly. i got about, about four minutes. Go to uh, Psalm chapter number 95 and we'll finish. Psalm chapter number 95. Psalm 95 and look at verse number 5. Psalm chapter number 95. David wrote these words too. Psalm chapter number 95 and look at verse number 5. The sea is his and he made it. And his hands formed the dry ground. Boy, there's a, a great verse, just, just 15, uh, 14 words, 10, 12, 14 words to refute evolution. The sea is His. He made it. His hands formed the dry ground. I don't see anywhere in there it says Big Bang. I, I, don't, I don't think. No, I don't see anywhere in there it says, no, it says He did it. Verse 6, you're, you're welcome. I just wanted to interject that. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His passion, the sheep of His hand. Now, I want you to listen to the next phrase. Today, let me say it again. Today, 
Not tomorrow. Not when you get things right and clean up your life and then you're going to come. Today, if you will hear His voice, look at the next part of the verse. Harden not your heart. Harden not your heart. You know, Michael, there's, there's a real, real danger of having a double heart, but I think the greatest danger in our world today, listen to me, young people, we're going to talk a little bit tomorrow morning, tonight, about passion, about having some zeal, having some fervency in you, about things. There's something drastically wrong with a person that says they love God with all their heart, and then there's not one ounce of passion in their body for Him. I'm not saying you got to swing from the fans. Okay. I'm not saying you got to walk across the pews. I'm not saying you got to... Listen, it ain't how high you jump. It's as long as when you hit the ground, you're speaking the right language and you're walking with Jesus Christ. And by the way, the feeling, F-E-E-L-I-N-G, of the Spirit will make you shout and jump. But the feeling, F-I-L-L-I-N-G, of the Spirit will make you walk straight when you hit the ground. It ain't how you feel all the time. It's whether or not you're filled. But here's the danger, the greatest one. Brother, the greatest danger is in 90, Psalm 95. He said, today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your heart. Young people, the word harden there is a Hebrew word that means to be calloused. Calloused. A callous is nothing more than what? Dead skin. And here he says it, Panos. He says, if today you'll hear my voice and harden not your heart, as in the provocation, when you provoked me, you tempted me in the wilderness and said, we would have rather gone back to Egypt and eat our melons and leeks and onions than to be out here and die. We won't meet. We're tired of manna, Lord. He said, what you did is you let a callus grow over your heart. It happens every time. Listen, young people, it'll happen to you if you're not careful and you don't have a vibrant, living, breathing relationship with the God of the universe. Isn't that amazing, guys? Isn't that amazing, young ladies, that we can have a relationship with the one that took nothing and made everything? Today, if you'll hear His voice, don't harden your heart. Don't let your heart get calloused over. A callus is deadened skinned. Underneath that deadened skinned is sensitive skin. If you rip a callus off, you can hardly even stand to touch what's underneath. That's what God wants to do this week in with our hearts, is rip the callus off. How many times have we gotten into a service and heard the preacher say, take your Bible and turn to John chapter number 3. John chapter number 3. It could have, listen, it can be Ravi Zacharias, one of the greatest preachers. It could be Charles Haddon Spurgeon come down and preach and say, John chapter number 3 from the Metropolitan Tabernacle. And people go, John chapter... Oh, no. Not another message on you must be born again. You know what happens when you do that? Another little layer of a callus grows over your heart. Or you get a preacher to stand up that's 185 years of age, and he says, take your Bible and turn to...
You know, just because maybe he don't have the passion he once had doesn't mean that we can't have the passion to just cheer him on. You know what we do? We go, we turn him right off because he's not our style. He's not of our flavor. Young people, you've got to guard against a double heart. But you've got to guard most of all against a deadened heart. David said, search me, O God, know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I'm going to finish with this. Are you asking God to lead you? I didn't ask you if you surrendered to full-time missions. I didn't ask you if you were a good, faithful servant in your local church. I'm asking you this. You can sit in a pew and be okay, and you can be faithful, and you can be one of those Christians that everybody looks at and go, boy, I wish my kids were like there, like him. But if you totally, 100% said, God, I'm willing to follow wherever you lead me, what about you? How do you guard against heart disease? You just pray, Lord, search me. Lord, try me. Break me if you have to. And I want you to lead me. What about you? Have you done that? If you're going to love the Lord with all your, your heart, that's what you've got to do. You've got to guard. It's going to take a conscious effort of self-discipline on your part to guard your heart. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Father, I pray that you'd bless in this next few minutes where they have to discuss. Lord, I know the word heart's used over 800 times in the Bible. 400 of those, it's talking about who we are, and the other times it's talking about what we think about. Now, God, help us to meditate upon the one who wants to guide us into all truth. God, help these young people, even as good servants and here on this weekend, help them to be ones that will not have a double heart and won't have a deadened heart. And Lord, we'll love you and praise you for what you do in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. <laughs>